Well, God bless you, my beloved. Good evening. This is Thursday evening, the 9th of July, 2020. This is our first of two installments, two weekly installments of the truth of the gospel, the truth. Hallelujah. I get excited every time I say that, the truth of the gospel. I'm Minister S.N. Crockett, Jr., and we're coming to you uh, live from my uh, office, my studio office or office studio, however you want to look at it. We're going to continue our study of Paul's letter, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesian Christians. And we had a rather lengthy lesson on Sunday about the fivefold ministry. And if you care to listen to it, go to my Facebook page or go to my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel if you don't mind you don't mind, excuse me. And uh, we're going to continue that discussion today. Um, I did some more research uh, about the apostle. I'm kind of fascinated with this. I think it's very useful information. Remember, I'm the teacher, so I'm going to tend to go into more depth than, say, the evangelist. Remember, the evangelist, the main purpose of the evangelist, if you look in the middle of the word evangelist, again, as I said last week, as I said Sunday, if you look in the middle of the word evangelist, you'll see the word angel, which means messenger. The main purpose of the evangelist is a herald. He or she is a herald and um, is, is uh, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is the gospel. The gospel means good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the savior of the world, that he came to redeem mankind from his sins. To, he came to, rec to reconcile us back to God to undo the curse that God placed upon mankind because of the sin of Adam and Eve, Romans 5 and 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all for all have sinned. Jesus came to uh, undo that, that curse because once God places a curse, uh, no one can uh, reverse it except God himself. And so Jesus came and died. Uh, Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. So I'm going to continue my discussion tonight about the apostle. I'm, I'm probably not going to go too much tonight into the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. But I will say this, and I'll probably mention it a bit later, but I want to mention it right now so I won't forget. The apostle at some point, whether it was a foundational apostle in, at the beginning of the New Testament church, or whether it's an apostle today, at some point, really, the apostle walks really in all five of the fivefold ministry. The apostle, the apostle um, usually has the gift of prophecy, both in preaching and prediction. The apostle, in a certain sense, is an evangelist. He goes and sets up churches. Uh, and then the pastor, the apostle is a shepherd. I know in the church of God in Christ, they use the word superintendent. So the apostle uh, can be a superintendent over churches. Uh, Paul talked about all the things that he had to do for the Lord. And he said, besides all these things, the, the, uh, the, the care I have for the, other ch for the churches. So the apostle is a shepherd, is a superintendent. And then of course, the, the apostle is a teacher. So to a certain extent, at some point, the apostle really operates 
in all five of the what we call what some people call the fivefold ministry, which is Ephesians four. Let's pray and then let me read that to you and then I'm going to enter into a discussion about the apostle again. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you just for the privilege of mentioning your name. The name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to him and him only be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. We pray that whoever hears this message, either in part or in whole, will be encouraged, built up in the most holy faith that was once delivered to the saints. We pray, Lord God, that you'll save sinners, that you'll build up the church. We thank you for sustaining the church in these turbulent times as only you can, Lord, for you are Lord. And the church is the body of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Let fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit be the result of this teaching and preaching and teaching and preaching all over the world. Lord, let there be a manifestation of your Holy Spirit according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will by Jesus Christ. We thank you for his blood that was shed at Calvary's cruel cross. And you certainly did bodily raise him from the dead, just as you promised, for you cannot lie. Blessed be your name forever. Amen. The apostle, the prophet. Remember we said the church is built upon the foundation, Ephesians 2 and 20. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the church is built upon the foundation. That's why I said yet uh, Sunday, and I'll say it again, there are no foundational apostles now because the church, the, the foundation of the church has already been laid. There are no foundational prophets, foundational anybody because the foundation was laid. If you, if you have a home built and if it takes three months to build the house, it's not going to take three months to build the foundation. It might take two weeks to build the foundation, pour the concrete, etc. It's not going to take three months to build the foundation, even though it may take three months to build the house. It might take a week or two weeks to build the foundation, and then it'll take the other two and a half months, etc., to build upon the foundation. And so what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, I, I am a wise master builder. Now, he's only a wise master builder because the Lord... Um, ordained him to be so. As a wise master builder, Paul said, I have laid the foundation and another builds upon it, but let everyone take heed how he or she builds upon it. For other foundation can no one lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there are no foundational apostles, but it doesn't mean there are no apostles today. Again, I'll, I'm kind of going over what I went over Sunday. I cannot say there are no apostles today, because I don't see where scripture says that there are no apostles today. I can say there are no foundational apostles. I cannot say there are no apostles today. Because again, I don't know what God is doing. I know what I know what God is doing with me in this in this eight by ten room. I don't know what God is doing in uh Nigeria. I don't know what the Lord is doing in Russia. I don't know what the Lord is doing in Uruguay, Chile. I don't know what the Lord is doing in uh the UK. I don't know. The Lord doesn't check in with me daily. This is what I'm doing. He doesn't. The Lord is not accountable to me. I'm accountable to him. So I cannot say with, with scriptural certainty that there are no apostles today. Now, there are some of our other Christian brethren who say that there are no apostles today, etc. And they, they, and they have their scriptural justification. I don't argue with them. 
I, I don't say that. I say there are no foundational apostles. The original apostles, they were the foundational apostles. Obviously, they're gone. They're dead. Most of them were martyred for our Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to say there are no, there are no apostles today. The, apostle, the word apostle means sent one. One who is sent by a higher authority. He's a specially called missionary. And when, I, and when I say specially called, I mean this this missionary is uh, his his ministry is um, is uh, known for signs, wonders, divers, miracles, as well as preaching and teaching, etc. And so, if you look at the first three letters of the word apostle in Greek, there's a preposition apo, uh, and apo in Greek means from. So the apostle is sent from, in this case, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when Paul opens his letters, when Paul begins his epistles, his letters, he'll say, Paul, an apostle. Let me, let me just give you one or two examples. Let me go to Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul said, y'all didn't, Paul said, man did not call me, man did not ordain me, man did not lay hands on me. Jesus Christ called me on the road to Damascus. If you remember Jesus' original apostles in Matthew 10, I want to say Luke 6, Mark 3, Jesus prayed and then after praying to his father, he called apostles. He went and called Mark, um, excuse me, he went and called Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and Alphaeus, Thaddeus. Uh, he called uh, Judas who eventually betrayed him. He called Matthew from the tax collector's booth. He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He said that to the fishermen, to James, John, Peter, Andrew. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And right before he said that, uh, that they had fished all day, all night and had caught nothing. And then he said, now let down the net again. And they obeyed him and they had so many fish that the net broke. And then he said, now if you follow me, I'll, I'll, I'll duplicate that miracle. Except this time, instead of smelly fish, It'll be smelly people that I'm going to let you, I'm going to ordain you to clean up. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the apostle Paul said, I'm called by Jesus Christ. He said that in several places. So let's talk about the apostle tonight. Very important because the apostle again uh, is, is, is really the chief part of the fivefold ministry. Okay. So we're going to look at some scriptures. I got a lot of scriptures here. I'm not going to try and go over all of them. Uh, because we'd be here till you know six o'clock in the morning, and I know you're not going to do that. All right, but um, let's let's go to First Corinthians chapter nine. This is just, these are going to be some right in, in in the beginning. These will be some general scriptures scriptures about apostles. First Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthian Christians. First Corinthians chapter nine. And Paul, you wouldn't believe this, but Paul had to often defend his apostolic ministry. You say, no, he was Paul. Everybody was, was on board with him. No, everybody was not on board with him. There were people who didn't believe in him. There were people in churches that he started who turned against him who didn't believe in him. So if you, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, if he asks a rhetorical question, a question that really is not looking for an answer because the answer is already evident, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, Paul said, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? 
Then he gives one of the distinguishing marks of an apostle. In order to be an apostle, a foundational apostle, you had to have seen the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. It doesn't mean you had to be there at the tomb when, when Jesus came out of the tomb. No, it's not saying that. But you had to be a witness of his resurrection. Paul was a witness because he was on his way to Damascus, Syria, with letters to the chief priests. So he could further persecute the church when he was Saul. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name because Paul had dual citizenship. And he's on his way. A funny thing happened to him on the way to Damascus, Syria, and the Lord knocked him off his beast by his glory and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Paul was persecuting the church, but in persecuting the church, he was persecuting Jesus because we as the church, we are the body of Christ. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the King James says the prick, the pricks. Other translations will say the gold. It's, it's, it's the showing an animal that's trying to fight against its master. And in fighting against its master, the animal further hurts itself. So Paul, Jesus said to Paul, you, you're hurting yourself. You're not hurting, you know, really, you're not hurting me. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. So Paul went on to, be, to, to give his life to the Lord. Uh, because because the, the, the grace of God was upon him, the irresistible grace of God, if you will, was upon him, and he eventually was baptized, etc. And he began, the Bible says straightway, he began to preach Jesus Christ, that he's the Son of God. He began to preach in the synagogues. The same man who had just been persecuting Christians, now he's preaching Jesus Christ in the synagogues. I, I have a similar testimony. When I got saved, I got saved on May 20th, 1979. It was a Sunday. And I went to work the next day. I was in the Air Force at the time, stationed at Robbins Air Force Base, about two hours south of Atlanta. And I went to work the next day, May 21st, 1979. I went to work the next day preaching Jesus Christ, that he's the Son of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I preached with a boldness, with an assurance. I didn't have a lot of scriptural foundation, etc. But I went, when I say preaching, I mean witnessing. I went preaching Jesus Christ. That he is the son of God. So that's my testimony. Some people get saved and they speak in tongues right away. I didn't speak in tongues right away. But I had a boldness, uh, uh, an assurance, uh, a witness of the Holy Spirit that he was within me. And so I began to preach that Jesus is the son of God. So Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 9, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? You had to see Jesus. To be a foundational apostle. You had to see. Peter even said it in Acts chapter 1. Of all those who have traveled with us from the baptism of John. Must one uh, be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Remember Judas betrayed Jesus. Committed suicide. And, the, and so the number went from 12 to 11. And I told you 11 in the Bible is a number of confusion. But 12 is a number of government. And so in order to replace Judas. The, uh, the apostles prayed. And they and they cast lots from where we get the word lottery. And the lot fell upon a man named Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. That made 12. And then the Lord called Paul, whom he was Saul. That made 13. But then if you read the Bible, I'll probably go to this later, Barnabas is, is called an apostle. So you've got at least 14. And uh, maybe one reason the Lord did that was because the number was going to start decreasing because as, as apostles were martyred, the number would decrease. Right. But anyway, I, I don't want to go into that right now. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? 
Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? He says, are you not my work in the Lord? Remember, there were people in the Corinthian church, you know, uh, talking about Paul like a dog, talking about him behind his back, saying, yeah, his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is, you know, laughable, etc. So there were people throwing Paul under the bus for all you preachers who go home crying because your congregation doesn't love you the way you think you should be loved. They were throwing Paul under the bus here. Paul said in verse 2, if I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal or the proof, the seal of my apostleship are you in the Lord. So he says, you're the proof of my apostleship. The seal, just like if you buy something and it has the good housekeeping seal or it has a certain seal on it. But here Paul is saying the seal, the proof, the undeniable proof, the signet if you will, the proof of my apostleship is you, O Corinthian church. All right, so that's that's a that's a good scripture there. Let me go to First Corinthians, same letter, instead of the ninth chapter. Let me go to the fifteenth chapter, and the fifteenth chapter is the chapter that deals at length about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of the of the church. And Paul says, uh, he's going to give testimony here about the resurrection of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's going to tie it in to the, to the apostolic ministry. So Paul says, moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Right Here he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures because the New Testament had not yet been written and canonized, codified yet. So he's saying the Old Testament had predicted Isaiah and others the Old Testament had predicted that Messiah, right, Daniel chapter 9, Isaiah 53, had predicted that Messiah would be cut off. In Daniel, it says Messiah would be cut off. In Isaiah, it said he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The price that had to be paid for our peace would be upon him. And by his stripes, we would be healed from the ravages of sin. So Paul says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Paul, when he says that which I also received, he's saying, I received revelation from Jesus Christ himself. If you go to the Galatian letter, he's going to say, I didn't go running to the other apostles when I got saved. He says, I got my revelation straight from Jesus Christ, just as the other apostles before me did. Then later, he went and spent time with Peter, James, etc. But he got his initial revelation he didn't go up to Jerusalem. If you read the Galatian letter, because I read it today, I read part of it today. He said, I didn't run to Jerusalem and say to the other apostles, you know, come and tell me. He said, I went to Arabia. I went to Saudi Arabia and spent time there. Then he went to see Peter and James, etc. Then he went to Jerusalem, etc. Paul got his revelation directly from Jesus Christ. So he says in verse three, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. That's the gospel, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, because the scriptures predicted that Messiah 
would be cut off, but that he would be raised from the dead. If you go to Isaiah 53, it says, um, uh, after it talks about how Messiah would suffer, it says, and I will, I will, I will, oh, I, I want to read it to you because I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to butcher it. Let me read it to you. Let's see, Isaiah 53, right here, if I can keep from spilling paper all over the place. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 53, after it talks about Jesus being wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement that, that was necessary for our peace being upon him, and by his stripes we were healed from the ravages of sin. He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, Jesus' soul, Jesus was offered for our sins. When you make his soul an offering for sin, listen to this. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. Hallelujah. That's resurrection. Because you can't make his soul an offering for sin and leave him dead and then say he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And then it says, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That's resurrection. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now listen, here's resurrection. Not only resurrection, here's kingdom. Therefore, I would divide him a portion with the great. We're going to be, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I would divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul on the death. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We become joint heirs, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. We become joint heirs with our Lord Jesus Christ. I will, divide, I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. Remember, he, 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 he hung between two thieves. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered unto you, he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Meaning God cannot lie. God promised it and that settles it. As the bumper sticker says, God said it, that settles it. Right? He was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, then of the twelve. After that, Jesus was seen of above 500 brethren at once. The Bible gives no indication at all that when Jesus rose from the dead that he showed himself to his enemies to his critics, to those who crucified him. Now he's going to show himself to them in the Revelation, if you read Revelation chapter 1. He behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. So he's going to show himself to his enemies at the Revelation, which has not occurred yet. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed himself alive to about 500 brethren. There's no, there's no biblical indication that he went to Pilate or that he went to the Sanhedrin, that he went to the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, his critics. He didn't go to them and say, nah, 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 I told y'all we're going to rise from the dead. Uh-huh, look, see you, I made a fool out of y'all. Jesus didn't do that. That's, that's not the kind of person he is. He didn't have to do that. He showed himself alive to brethren. He showed himself alive, first the Bible says, to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, Mark 16 and 9. Then he showed himself alive to his apostles, it says, it says uh, he was buried, he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, he was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. 
of whom at once, at one time, 500, no, no social distancing there, right? He was seen by about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep, which means some have died. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. So all the apostles were witnesses to the resurrection. Remember at one time he showed himself to his apostles and Thomas wasn't there. And they said, and the apostles said to Thomas, we saw the Lord. He came and visited us. And Thomas said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to believe that unless I see the, 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 um, the wounds in his hands and unless I see the wound in his side. And about a week later, the Bible says in John, uh, Jesus showed up. And the Bible says he didn't even knock on the door. He just showed up. He, he was walking in his resurrection body. He just showed up and said to Thomas, uh, come here, Tommy. <laughs> I guess I'm not going to show you. Put your hands here and put your hand here in my side. Glory to the Lamb of God and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. All right. So he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me. This is Paul speaking. Last of all, after he was seen by all the apostles who came before me, he was seen of me as of one born out of due time. He, Paul saw him on the road to Damascus when he was on his way to persecute, further persecute the church. Then Paul says in verse 9, this is the verse I really wanted to get to, I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. King James uses the word meat. I'm not meat, but you know we don't use that word today. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. And then he goes on to talk about how some people say there's no resurrection from the dead. He gives a brilliant argument. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, brilliant, brilliant, Holy Spirit inspired argument about the resurrection of Christ, the first fruits, Christ, the last Adam, and then the resurrection of the church at the last trump. He says, if you start around verse 51, the dead shall be raised incorruptible and uh, this mortal shall, shall put on immortality, etc. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right, here's another scripture that, that's worthy to be uh, looked at. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. So Paul is giving a lot of apostolic, Paul is giving a lot of apostolic testimony to the Corinthian Christians. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 12. What does Paul say? Let's see, I'm not going to read this whole thing. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, uh, truly the signs of an apostle, hear that? The signs of an apostle were worked among you, speaking to the Corinthians. Remember, there were people who doubted him. Whether these were people in the congregation or people outside the congregation influencing the congregation, I don't know. I'm sure there, there are other preachers who know. But somebody was influencing these Corinthians, trying to influence them, either, either some members of that church, if I can use the word member of the church, 
either some either some people in that congregation or people outside of the congregation were were negatively influencing the congregation and telling them that uh, Paul was a phony, that he was a fraud, he wasn't really an apostle, possibly because he wasn't in the original group, etc. And they were using that to undermine Paul's ministry. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, he said, truly the signs of an apostle. An apostle, an apostle's ministry has to have, in order to be a legitimate apostle, and again, I don't say there are no apostles today. That's not my place to say that. But, but to be a legitimate apostle, there have to be signs, wonders, miracles. At what pace, proportion, how often? That's, that's between the Lord and the apostle. That's not my place to say. It doesn't mean every apostle is going to uh, have, you know, be able to have his shadow fall on people and the people get healed as what happened with Peter. I'm not saying that. But to be a true apostle of Jesus Christ, your ministry has to include signs and wonders. Paul said it again, 2 Corinthians 12 and 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were worked among you in all patience. Then he says, in signs, wonders, he says, mighty deeds. They were taking handkerchiefs from Paul's body and healing people. Glory to God. Peter, his shadow was falling on people. They were getting healed. Now that's apostolic ministry. That's apostolic ministry, all right? So he says the signs of an apostle were worked among you, all right? Listen to Galatians. Remember, we think Paul was accepted by everybody in the, you know, everybody in the church, and every, he got a lot of apostles' anniversaries, and everything was up. Nope, nope, nope. That's not the way it was. Paul had critics and enemies in the church as well as uh, people influencing the church. He had critics and enemies, and, he, and, and, and listen to what he says in Galatians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, an apostle, not, it's a parenthetical statement, not of men, neither by man. He's saying, man did not ordain me. Jesus called me. Jesus ordained me. Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You can't, you, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. You can't get higher. You can't get a higher uh, um, um, authority than that. Paul said, man didn't call me. Jesus called me on the road to Damascus. I'm an apostle. You remember what he said to the Corinthians? Am I not an apostle? It's a rhetorical question. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? I have a right if I want to, like Peter and other apostles, he said in that 1 Corinthians 9, I have a right to, you know, if I want to, to uh, have a believing wife. You know, Peter was married, some of the other apostles. I have a right. There, there was no law of celibacy in the, in the New Testament church, as you see in the Roman church today. There was no, it didn't, Jesus didn't say all apostles have to be celibate. He didn't say that. Paul did teach that if you're unmarried, you can devote yourself more to the Lord. He did teach that. But Jesus said that all men cannot receive that. If a man does not have the self-control to be celibate, then he should not be celibate because it's gonna, there, there are going to be problems, as you see there are problems in the Roman church uh, with this um, insistence that the priests be celibate. But he says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Listen to his greeting in the Ephesian church. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints, which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Listen to his greeting to, to Timothy, his protege. Remember, Paul had certain preachers under him, Timothy and Titus being of note among them. 
Listen to his greeting to his protege. Remember, Timothy was a bishop. He became a bishop in the Ephesian church. And so Paul had to give him instruction on how to be a good preacher, how to avoid certain pitfalls, stay out of trouble, keep your moral life in check, etc. So he says uh, to uh, first, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy 2, Paul says, uh, let's see, I'm going to start at verse 5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I like that passage. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ our Lord. There's one God. Behold Israel, the Lord our God is one God. So Paul is, is repeating the Jewish Shema out of Deuteronomy 6 and 4. He says there's one God. He manifests himself in three different ways, three separate ways, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but there's one God. No polytheism for Christians. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus is called the God-man. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. Who gave himself a ransom for all, for our sins. He gave himself as a ransom to God to be testified in due time. Here's the verse I wanted to get to. Paul said, whereunto where I am ordained. Paul says, I am ordained. Who ordained me? Jesus Christ. The Father, the Son ordained me, the Holy Spirit. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, a sent one. I've been sent. I'm a specially called missionary to preach, to teach, to set order, to establish churches, and to set order in churches. And my ministry and signs and wonders and divers miracles accompany my ministry. He says, I'm ordained a preacher. You hear that? And an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ. I lie not. Now, why would Paul say I lie not? Because there were people accusing Paul of being a liar. You say not Paul. Everybody loved Paul. Everybody in the church loved Paul. No, everybody in the church did not love Paul. And then you had people outside the church um, influencing the people in the church. Ah, he don't, you ain't got to listen to him. He ain't no real apostle. No, nah, you ain't got to listen to him. Because he was just killing Christians just a couple of years ago. You ain't got to listen to him. Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I lie not. I'm a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. So notice he, he has to defend. You wouldn't think it had to be so, but he had to defend his apostolic ministry. Now, let me show you uh, 2 Timothy. Let's see. That was 1 Timothy 2.7. Let me show you 2 Timothy 2.11. What did he say? What did Paul say right there in 2 Timothy 2.11? Paul said, nope, let's see, I think I might have the wrong passage there. No, 2 Timothy 1.11, I apologize. 2 Timothy 1.11. Paul says, um, let's see, I'm going to go back to verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Close that door all the way. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's speaking to Timothy. Because Timothy was in Ephesus. He was a bishop in Ephesus. And it was getting kind of tough. You know, Ephesus was the home of Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians. And you remember what happened in the book of Acts. They, they got real upset when Paul came preaching and, and people stopped buying the idols to Diana and, and began to believe in Jesus. That was cutting into people's money. And you know what happens when a preacher starts preaching and, and people um, stop spending their money on witchcraft and idols, etc., and start believing in Jesus. The people who are profiting from the witchcraft, the idols, etc., the fortune-telling, whatever, they get upset. 
And so that's how Paul and Silas ended up in jail because they were preaching against uh, Diana, the, the belief in Diana, the goddess uh, of the Ephesians. All right. So he says, he says to Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Then he says to Timothy, be not there for ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be, remember, certain letters were prison epistles. Paul wrote from prison. Be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Remember, he called us by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. He called us by grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Let that sink in. Jesus Christ has abolished death. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never die. Your physical body will die, but your, your spirit, your soul will live forever in eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus said himself in John, he said, the hour is coming when those who believe in the Son of God will, will um, be transformed from death unto life. And then Paul really says the same thing right here, that Jesus Christ, because of what he did on the cross, he abolished, hallelujah, he abolished death uh, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Then here's what Paul says in verse 11. Whereunto I am appointed. He keeps saying that. I'm ordained. I'm ordained. I'm appointed. I'm ordained. He says, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle. And a sent one. I've been sent. I've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. A preacher. An apostle. A teacher of the Gentiles. Remember, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter opened the door. It was Peter who opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Peter had the key. Peter opened the door of faith to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Then he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius and his people. So Peter had the key for both Jew and Gentile. Jesus said, I say unto you, you are Peter, Petros, a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter opened the door of faith to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Remember, the Jews had gathered from all over the world, the Roman world especially. And, and then he opened the door through the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles in Acts 10. So it was Peter who opened the door, but then Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. So once Peter opened the door by through the grace of the Holy Spirit, then Paul stepped in and his apostolic ministry um, you know, continued what Peter had opened the door. All right? So Paul says, I am ordained a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And he says, because of that, I suffer these things. Paul says, I suffer because I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus. I suffer these things. He says, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. All apostles, true apostles of Jesus. I think this is in my notes later on. I don't know if I'll get to it tonight. All true apostles of Jesus have to suffer. All, all disciples of Jesus, but if you are an apostle of Jesus, uh, you're going to have to suffer for him. 
the apostles. There are no apostles who don't. Even John, even though um, even though John did not, even though John was not martyred, he did suffer. Remember uh, the emperor, the Roman emperor uh, Domitian, banished John to the Isle of Patmos, a windswept island, thirty miles um, off the coast of Asia Minor in the Aegean Sea. And uh, there's some uh, there, 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 there there's some research that said that John, as an old man, had to work in the mines. I don't know if that's true, but John was banished to the Isle of Patmos. Domitian thought he had gotten rid of you know get rid of this troublemaker, but where, what happened when John was on the Isle of Patmos? He received the revelation, the apocalypse, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You can bind up his disciples. You cannot bind up the word of God. You cannot bind, you cannot bind the spirit of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. All right. So he says, I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the, for the, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Paul says, as an apostle, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. All right. I'm going to skip Hebrews and First and Second Peter, a couple of verses I had there. There's one more point I wanted to make before I go to my next category. Some apostles didn't identify themselves through their writings for, for whatever reason. Some, some believe it was uh, because of... Uh, um, um, humility but there are some people who did not there were some apostles who did not identify themselves notice when when Peter wrote he said Peter an apostle of Jesus to the saints scattered throughout Cappadocia Asia Bithynia etc Peter was the apostle to the Jews Paul said I'm an apostle I'm an apostle not of men neither by man but by Jesus Christ our Lord there's nothing wrong with that you're an apostle then tell people you're an apostle so Paul and Peter said they were apostles. But John, Jude, James, and Matthew did not identify themselves as apostles. All right? Let's, 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 let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Remember, Matthew was one of the original apostles. He had been a tax collector for the Roman Empire, a traitor. He was collecting t taxes for the Roman Empire. And in collecting taxes... Like other tax collectors, what the Bible calls in the King James Version, um, publicans, uh, he would often extort money from people. He was a, he was a gangster. <laughs> let's, just put, let's just put it, he was a gangster. He was a, he was a mafia type. Right, yeah. But notice the beginning of his book, the beginning of Matthew. He got saved. Jesus called him uh, from his tax collector's booth. He was working for the IRS, but Jesus said, follow me. Notice that at the beginning of Matthew's uh, letter, uh, his, uh, his epistle, if you will, he says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. The purpose of Matthew was to show that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that Jesus is the rightful heir to the Davidic throne. That's why he goes, he, he doesn't say Matthew, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He goes straight, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. He goes to the genealogy because you had to be able to prove your genealogy. If, if you were going to be an heir to the Davidic throne or if you're going to be a priest from the tribe of Levi, you better be able to prove your genealogy or there were going to be problems. So he doesn't say Matthew, he doesn't say Matthew, an apostle of Jesus, etc. Matthew says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. You hear that? 
So he's the son of David. That means he's the rightful heir to the Davidic throne. God promised David that there would always be a king on his throne. Now, I didn't mean there wouldn't be any interruptions because there has been an interruption for since uh, Zedekiah was the last king to sit on the Davidic throne in around 586 B.C. And here we are about 2,600 years later. So there has been an interruption. Uh, but, you know, God often makes promises and sometimes those promises can be interrupted because of man's sin. But it doesn't mean the promise of God will not be kept because Jesus is the rightful heir to the Davidic throne. But but my point is, uh, Matthew, Matthew does not identify himself. And we know he was an apostle. Matthew chapter 10. So I guess in a sense he does identify himself, but he doesn't, he doesn't identify himself in the first person. He doesn't say, I am apostle of Jesus, as Paul did and as Peter did. But in Matthew 10, and when Jesus had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. So in a sense, he does identify himself, but he's speaking third person. The first Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican or tax collector. So he does identify himself, but not at the beginning of his letter, as you would see with Paul and with Peter. He, he says, and Matthew, the publican, the tax collector. So he doesn't say, hey, I'm, I'm Matthew, you know, I'm an apostle, I wrote this letter. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He says, and Matthew, the publican. And then he goes on to name the other, um, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matt, uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed Jesus. But Matthew does not directly identify himself in the, th in the third person. I'm the, in the first person, I should say. All right, so we know that Mark was not an apostle. John Mark, he was a disciple mostly of Peter. Matter of fact, Mark's gospel is said to be a reflection of what, uh, what, what um, he heard from Peter. Luke was not an apostle. Luke is the only Gentile to write one of the books of the Bible. All the other Bibles were written by, <clears throat> excuse me, Jewish men. Luke is the only Gentile author in the Bible, right? And then when we get to John, the Gospel according to John, he's going to kind of do what um, he's going to kind of do what uh, Matthew did. He didn't say, "John, I'm John, an apostle of Jesus Christ, called to be, you know, an apostle by the will of God." You know, all that Paul, the Pauline, we call it Pauline, the Pauline introduction. He doesn't do that, or the Petrine introduction that Peter would do. He says, John says, uh, at the beginning of his Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the Word, he gets straight to the divinity of Jesus Christ, which is the main theme of John's Gospel, the deity of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, John, an apostle of Jesus uh, to the saints in Ephesus, because, you know, John um, um, spent time as a, as a really a superintendent in Ephesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, John wrote the John wrote his gospel, the gospel that bears his name. But he also wrote three epistles. And in his three epistles, he does not identify himself as an apostle. He kind of does in 1 John what he did in St. John. That which was from the beginning. Remember St. John? In the beginning was the word, right? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. So the main theme of his first epistle was God became flesh because there were, there were false teachings that were saying that, that God, that all matter is evil and God would not become flesh, etc. So you remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he made it a point to show himself alive up to above 500 disciples. And he even ate with some of them, especially with his apostles. He was showing them that this is a physical, literal, bodily resurrection. He didn't rise from the dead metaphysically. Uh, Malcolm X said years ago that the resurrection of Jesus is just a black man rising above the, the uh, shackles of slavery and Jim Crow. I love Malcolm X, but he's theologically wrong. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a metaphor for the black man. You know, black lives matter. No, I love black. I love black. Black lives matter, even though I may not agree with all their agenda and their tactics. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not the black man throwing off the shackles of Jim Crow. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without the resurrection, we could not be justified in God's sight. Because if Jesus were an imposter, if Jesus had been a bootleg preacher, if Jesus had been a phony, God would have left him to rot in that Palestinian tomb. But he, 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 he raised him from the dead. So notice his first epistle is almost the identical to his um, gospel. Then in his second epistle, he calls himself the elder. The elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. Now whether the elect lady was an actual lady or whether it was a church, I don't know. There's, there's, there's some conjecture about that. I don't know. But John calls himself an elder, which is not unusual. Peter called himself an elder in 1 Peter chapter 5. He called himself an elder. They were elders, right? All the apostles, all the original apostles would have been elders. They're over the church. They're the foundation. All right? In his third epistle, he says, The elder again unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Then when you get to Jude, um, I'm sorry, one more book that John wrote. He wrote the Revelation, right? The last book in, in the Protestant Bible. He says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto He doesn't say, John, John the Apostle. He says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which remember, John had been banished to Patmos. He said so in the first chapter. I, John, your brother and companion in tribulation, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. I was in the Isle of this called Patmos for the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was on the Isle of, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me the voice of a trumpet. So he doesn't identify himself. Um, does he identify himself at the end of the book? Let me check. It seems like there's a voice ringing in my head saying he did say something at the end of the book. Let's see. Chapter 22 uh I don't think, yeah, 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 he did. He says, yeah, in 22.8, he says, I, John, saw these things. So he does identify himself uh, in Revelation chapter 22. I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship. There were several times when John would be getting revelation and he would fall down as though he were going to, and you know, John, he was an apostle of Jesus. He knew not to be worshiping idols and stuff, but I remember the only time in my life I was slain in the spirit. I cannot describe the experience, but I was slain in the spirit. I was sitting in a church in Atlanta, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and I was talking to a pastor about something. We had been in his office talking about what I don't, don't even remember. 
And we went out to the, um, to the uh, sanctuary. He was about to have a service or something. And for some reason, I don't know why, I, um, I was slain in the spirit. I, I cannot describe the, the, um, the, the, the experience. I, I, I don't have words to describe it, but I know it was God. I was slain. I, I, was, on the, I was on the floor. And, and it was like just the Holy Spirit was just like, you know, cradling me in his arms. That's the best I can describe it. So when John is having these experiences, when you see these people having these experiences in the Bible, uh, Daniel, and, and they're standing before angels, often they will fall down as though they're dead. That, that, and, and I just can't, it's the only time, since, and I've been saved, uh, what, about 40 years. It's the only time, it's the only time that I've been truly I didn't have a preacher pushing on my forehead and all that stuff we see. I was slain in the spirit. And so that experience, I can understand because when John, there are several times in the scripture when he would see, when he would get revelation from an angel and he would fall down intending to worship. One of my favorite passages, Revelation 19. He says uh, in Revelation 19, uh, let's see. He said, and, and the angel, he saith unto me, the angel saith unto me, right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Revelation 19, 10, one of my favorite passages of scripture. John says, I fell at his feet to worship him. John was a good Jew. He was an apostle of Jesus. He knew not to be worshiping, you know, idols and men and stuff like that. But this experience that he had, and again, I, I had that experience I had I've had it once. I just cannot describe it. It, it was it was it was it was. I just can't. I just cannot describe. It was. I was slain. I, all I can say is I was slain in the spirit. That I didn't. I I didn't. I don't. I, I didn't. I don't think I cried. It was just such a. I've never had that experience since, and I had never had that experience before. But I understand what, when Daniel would see an angel, Michael or Gabriel or something, these men would, would see angels, these women would see angels, or Abraham would see angels and he would fall down, prostrate. You know, John says in, in, uh, in chapter one, when he saw Jesus, the glorified Jesus, he fell at his feet as dead. And Jesus laid his right hand on him and said, fear not, I'm the first and the last. I can't speak for other people. There may be other people who've been slain like that. 10 times since they've been saved glory to the lamb of god i've experienced that one time and it was such an experience i just I, and i don't know why the lord did it then at that particular time in that particular setting i was just sitting in that church talking to that pastor there was hardly anybody else in the sanctuary i think the service was going to start soon and i just found myself on the floor it was the lord i know it was the lord it wasn't the devil i know that the devil would never give me that kind of experience. It was the Lord Jesus Christ gave me that experience. So John says in Revelation, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. One of my favorite passages, Revelation 19 and 10. But John says, I fell down to worship him. Because the experience, it's not that John was going into idolatry and all that. The experience was so overwhelming. But he did identify himself. I, I didn't think about that, but it must have been the Lord who, who brought that uh, to, my, to my remembrance. I, John, saw these things. 
Now, if he says I, John, somewhere else in Revelation, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not coming to me, but he said it right here in Revelation 22, 8. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Now, that's the end of Revelation. At the end of St. John, he says something similar, but he doesn't identify himself. He says, he that writeth these things is true, etc. He, he speaks in third person. He doesn't say, I, John, etc., 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 etc. All right, then we have Jude. A Jew says the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now, were these two, were, was Jude an apostle? Uh, probably, because remember, Jesus had brothers and sisters. He was the firstborn because his mother was a virgin. But after he was born, and I didn't look the scripture up, but it's in there, he had other brothers and sisters. And one of those brothers was Jude or Judas, and another one was James. There were there were two apostles named James. One of the apostles named James was killed in Acts chapter twelve. Herod killed him, and then tried to kill Peter. Locked him up. Was going to kill him uh, right around Easter and uh, Passover Easter. And uh, but the angel of the Lord unlocked the prison and let Peter out. But the other James is thought to be the Lord's half brother. Meaning, it's possible that Jesus' mother, Mary, married again, uh, probably after Joseph died. But it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. So Jude and James are probably Jesus, at least James is probably Jesus' half-brother, meaning same mother, not, well, of course, Joseph wasn't Jesus' earthly father, but I think you get my point. But Jude, Jude and James were Jesus' siblings. Remember, his, it says in John 7, it says uh, his brothers want his brothers and sisters wanted him to go up to the feast of tabernacles and show himself. No man does the miracles you do and not show himself to the world, etc. And then it says neither did they believe in him. So uh, originally they were not believers. You know how your family don't give you any props. The whole world could be um, believing you, but your own family because of the familiarity, etc. They grew up with Jesus. So that familiarity probably was a hindrance to them believing that he was Messiah, etc. But eventually they came around, at least some of them did. So Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. Then he says later on, he says in verse 17, he says, Beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you notice, he he says, of the apostles. It doesn't mean he wasn't an apostle. It just means he's not identifying himself as an apostle. Some of Jesus' apostles in their writings, they don't identify themselves as apostles for whatever reason. It could have been humility. Uh, you know, that's thought to be uh, one of the main reasons, etc. cetera. Uh, but Paul said, I'm an apostle. <laughs> and I think Paul, I think one of Paul's reasons was because there were so many people, he had a lot of, uh, he had a lot of opposition. And you say, not, you say, no, 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 not Paul. Everybody loved Paul. Everybody did not love Paul. Just like everybody didn't love Martin Luther King Jr. You think all the, you think all the, black, you think all the black preachers supported Martin Luther King Jr.? You're wrong. A lot of them didn't support him. They, they thought he was, uh, you know, uh, you know, uppity and, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the, a lot of the black preachers were already comfortable 
You know, they they had a good thing going in the in the in their segregated world, and they, and they didn't want Martin Luther King to upset the apple cart. I won't give any names, but there are some names of some prominent preachers who bitterly opposed Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, did not did not su- did not support his agenda at all. And then it's, and then when he and then when he spoke out against the Vietnam War, uh, a lot of the other people, a lot of his supporters, and you know his financial base, they turned against him because they felt he was moving out into an area that was not his to move into. All right. So anyway, I was just showing you that John, Jude, James, and Matthew did not identify themselves, but I was wrong about John. He did identify himself at the end in Revelation twenty-two eight. I John saw these things. Well, you know what? 